often a little bit contentious within our own team is whether or not the long-term vision, um, like 12 to 18 months out, should be to ingest all podcast feeds or not. Um, there's lots of complexity there, uh, whether it sounds like it or not. So let's, I want to just like, let's surface the debate we've been having here. Yeah. So for me, Derek, the, I know in the RFP, it says that you want to ingest all the RSS feeds and I could see the value in having a player that's universal and can get all the same great content that you find everywhere else. But I think where that misses is on the magic of the New York Times as being a platform exclusively for high quality content. And paralleling that to the New York Times bestseller list, I mean, that is a brand moment for so many authors that is game-changing in their careers and that they are fighting and doing everything they possibly can to be a part of. And I think there's a lot of power in replicating that for podcast publishers. So I think you can have both. I think you can have a uh, curation experience and a exclusive elite content experience. Like this is the best of the best, the cream of the crop. You should be listening to this. We are tastemakers and have all the podcasts that you need or want available to you. And the reason why I think you should strive for that is because people don't want to have multiple podcasting apps on their phones or on their laptops or like in their life. They really want one thing that solves their problem. And if New York Times is putting forth this really compelling value proposition of we are tastemakers and we will help connect you to the content you care about, that is fantastic. But ultimately, I still want to listen to Drinking from the Toilet which they will probably never feature realistically, unless they really talk about dogs, which would be awesome. I would be totally on board with that. But So I, I do have an opinion on this uh, now that I hear you both share. I think that I, I tend to side with Lacey in that, so I've been using the, the museum metaphor. The, the listening app is a museum and not an algorithmically populated Facebook-esque experience. And at a museum, there is the, the, the curated set of things that you see when you walk in, but there's also a permanent collection, some of which may not be on display at all, uh, most of which isn't featured in the same way that other things are. And it's the curator's job to to, to position things, to position things appropriately. Um, but for, for the case where Lacey comes in as a dog training, you know, super enthusiastic dog trainer, as we all know, she wants to find a podcast that the curators will never have heard of. Um, and to, in order to keep her there, we have to have that. Yep. It doesn't mean that it's part of a curated uh, experience at all. It just means that it's somewhere in the in the archives in the basement as part of a you know permanent collection that doesn't actually get into rotation very often. I think the easiest proxy for this is to think about the experience around the Apple App Store or like the Google Play Store, where they have a really curated experience up front. Apple's actually been doing a really great job in the last year or so putting forward curated content with editorials around why we think these are the best cooking apps, why Trello is the best production app or uh, productivity app. Um, they're giving people the accolades and they're creating that experience of, you know, I was app of the day or I was, you know, the best 
app of the year that you're still getting that. But at the end of the day, I can still hit browse and search for, uh, I don't know, Spotify, which might not be in that editorial content in any kind of recent history that I would see. But I still really want to listen to Spotify. And I see podcasts being a very similar thing or, you know, Netflix. They have a lot of featured content up front. Although you could say they're kind of sneaky because they change covers and they try to make it seem like they have a lot of content. But then when you actually search, you can find things that aren't featured, but they're kind of smoke and mirroring it a little bit, which I don't think the New York Times needs to do. I think they could have everything. Derek, is your worry that it will junk up the experience, essentially? Yeah, my, my concern here is that if the New York Times wants this app to be known as the destination for high-quality content, but it's also flooded with a bunch of low-quality bullshit stuff, then I'm concerned that there's going to be some brand confusion there. Be careful how you talk about dog training podcasts yeah. in front of Lacey. It's true. She'll cut you. We'll fight. No, I think your concern is right, and I think that we all agree that yeah. junking up the experience shouldn't be the goal. And we're, we're talking about an, an edge case, essentially, where someone wants something specific that will never be featured, and either you're going to dash their hopes or you're going to fulfill their hopes. And so an analogy I'll use is Amazon Prime. And um, Amazon Prime is great because like Netflix, you've got the subscription and you can access all this stuff. But being a father of a two-year-old and a four-year-old, I find them watching the weirdest, low-quality, like baby shark videos that are out there. And I'm yeah, like, thanks, like Amazon. But that's uh, not because they. That's not. Be, that, that's because Amazon featured garbage. Right. I know, and then it's being recommended. Like more garbage is then being recommended we because of the that. technology algorithms that they've built in. And well, that's kind of like why we're slippery against. Slope. That's why curators, not algorithms. Yeah. Exactly. I would imagine that anything that you would see in kind of that discovery experience would be that curated, intentional, specific content from the New York Times. And just like that app store, when you tap on browse, even there, you're not seeing all the apps. Really, that's a more of a searching experience. You're, I really want to find drinking from the toilet because like fun, I'm going to have two different podcasting apps on my phone. Don't have time for that. How do we think like that the fun. editors would use the analytics from the non-curated podcasts to inform what they might curate or what they might want to surface? That's a good question. Is there power? Oh, absolutely. You mean, I could see that. You mean how do the curators know what's available to pull from? Uh, I'm saying if we put everything on this platform, I see there being a lot of value in being able to see the analytics behind what is being played from both the things that are curated and the things that are non-curated. So how might the non-curated things mm -hmm. like dog podcasts initially or or not, but um, how might NYT editors uh, be empowered with the technology and the analytics behind insights into those podcasts that they may not be looking at? So I think... One way that I look at it is looking at it from like a thematic perspective of what types of content are people looking at? And could we create a theme? Could we get a guest curator? Could we create mm -hmm. something around this space that people are flocking to that brings you new content? 
So let's just stick with dogs for a second because there's actually a pretty big following of these podcasts, even though it is not something mainstream. It is kind of niche. There's a lot of content and there's a lot of people who are into this. So if the New York Times is looking at the analytics for these podcasts and had the ability to understand there's a lot of people looking at pets or dogs or something in that space, let's dig into that. Let's get a guest curator who has a laundry list of podcasts or episodes that they feel are really valuable to pet owners or dog sport people. Or maybe we should start to formulate an opinion as New York Times editors and pull out things that we found interesting. Yeah, in a way, it's discovery for the editors as well as discovery for the consumers. Yeah, I think a, a way to summarize is that the answer to to preventing a junky experience isn't withholding stuff. It is curation, careful curation and design and intention. Mm-hmm. Did we get what you wanted? I'm much further down the path of letting everything in now. I think that it's actually possible that things would be in and there would be no way to get to them other than search. Yes. Yeah. So they would never be part of any, unless you specifically want that thing, you'll never know it's even there. That's kind of what I expect. 